Welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Mark. If I didn't get to meet you before the service, I'm uh, one of the team here. It's great to have you with us. Uh, here's uh, my little disclaimer that uh, if you didn't get one of these booklets and you still want one, you're free to run outside and grab one now. No judgment, okay? It, after this, after this grace period of like the next 30 seconds, we'll all judge you if you're going to do it. But right now, if you want one, uh, it's all yours. Go and grab it. Um, all right, so let me get set up here. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, And then we are going to dive in to the book of Proverbs together. So please join me and uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much that uh, you are a a God that knows everything. Uh, Lord, you possess all the wisdom that this universe contains. And thank you that you're a God who's reached out to us and made relationship with us. Thank you that you want to know us and you want us to know you. Uh, Lord, it's such a privilege Uh, to be called your children through Jesus Christ. And so we thank you so much, Father, for your word to us, the Bible, and that we get to hear it, we get to understand it, we get to think about it uh, openly in our own language uh, and at a really deep level. God, please, would you be speaking to us tonight through the book of Proverbs. Please be giving us wisdom, the, the wisdom that only you can provide. God, we need your help, so please bless our time together. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, okay, uh, Book of Proverbs, one of the uh, books in the Bible. The Bible, as uh, an evangelical church, we believe that every single word written in the Bible is inspired by God. All, right? All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And that includes the Book of Proverbs. So here we go. We're going to dive right into the Book of Proverbs and see just how amazingly God-inspired some of these, these Proverbs are. Can we get the, the first the sample proverb up on the screen? Proverbs 21.9. Better to live on the corner of, a, of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Thus saith the Lord. Divine, divinely inspired here. How about another, another proverb for us to consider? 25.16. If you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it and you will vomit. I mean, man, this is valuable, valuable wisdom for us. I hope you're paying attention. How about one more? Uh, 26.18-19. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is the one who deceives his neighbour and says... I was only joking. I think a lot of those prank videos on YouTube could benefit from this kind of wisdom. Any more? 27.14. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbour early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Someone here needed to hear God say that to them tonight. I'm just saying. Uh, another, another bit of wisdom for you. Proverbs 31, 6 and 7. Let beer be for those who are perishing. Wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. This is the word of the Lord. This is what God wants to say to us in the book of Proverbs. Are you interested in reading the book of Proverbs? Because if you're not after hearing some of the Proverbs that are contained in it, then there is no hope for you. Proverbs is such a fascinating book. It is so weird and eclectic. And I'm really excited about diving into Proverbs with you uh, this term. Now, look, my job uh, today, as we, as we kind of do this introduction sermon to the whole series that's to follow, my job is to like orient you. I'm going to be a tour guide, right, leading you through the book of Proverbs, helping you to know kind of what's in it, why it's there, and actually, more importantly, how you're supposed to engage with it. What are you supposed to do with these crazy Proverbs that you come across in the book of Proverbs? So what is the deal with the book of Proverbs? Like, where does it come from? What's in it? What are we supposed to make of it? Well, Proverbs, you may know this. We had it read for us in that uh, Bible reading. Proverbs is uh, attributed to King Solomon, one of the great kings of Israel, King David's son. So we're talking uh, being written about 1000 BC, thereabouts. 
And uh, there are some other writers who contributed to the book of Proverbs. You, you hear their names come up throughout the book as you read through. But mainly, it's King Solomon writing this book to us. And the way that the book is structured, it, it kind of falls into two halves, right? Chapters 1 through to 9 is the prologue to the whole book. It's the prologue that kind of is like a lens through which you're supposed to read those proverbial sayings that come up in chapters 10 to 31. And the prologue, it's very different to the rest of the book. It's not like those little sentences that give you a nugget of truth and then just move on to another topic. The prologue is, it's like a father speaking to his son and saying, listen, my son, to this wisdom. Make sure you attain wisdom. It's so important, my son. It's like this little pep talk from King Solomon to his child, right? And then you get to chapter 10, and the whole rest of the book is taken up with those things that we normally think of when we think of Proverbs, those little sayings, those nuggets of truth, right? It's like Solomon's Twitter feed, except that like, these things are actually wholesome and helpful and not filled with memes and stuff. And the book of Proverbs, it covers every aspect of life. Every single corner of your life gets spoken to by the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is going to tell you about friendship, about sex, about money, about work, about justice, about anything that you can think of. The book of Proverbs wants to give you wisdom to know how to operate in that area of your life. And and it's so different, isn't it? It's so different to, to every other part of the Bible that actually, that's part of the reason it's so, so fascinating to study, but it's also what makes Proverbs hard to study. It's, it's something that actually, when we read it, most of the time we go, I just don't know what to do with that. What, do I, what am I supposed to do with this weird saying about not eating too much honey? And what, what am I supposed to take away from that? Proverbs are a little bit foreign to us, aren't they? But they're not as foreign as you think. I want to do a little exercise with you to prove to you that actually you're more familiar with Proverbs than you think you are. You actually know what to do with Proverbs without even realising it, probably, because every culture has Proverbs, these little sayings that we distill down some truth and we communicate it to the next generation. That's what a proverb really is all about, passing on truth to other people. Our, our culture has them. Every culture has them, right? And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say some, the beginnings of some proverbs, and you're going to finish them for me. You think we can do that? Audience participation. It's not a monologue. It's a dialogue, okay? Here's the beginning of some proverbs. Better late than? No pain? Two wrongs don't? A picture's worth? Nice guys? If it ain't broke? Great minds? Oh, come on, you guys are so wise. You know it. You've got to figure it out already. You've got wisdom. I'm sure about that. Now, look, the, the difference between those kind of proverbs that we have in our English language and the proverbs that you read in the Bible is that these proverbs, these are divinely inspired. We, we didn't come up with these ones. God came up with these ones. And so God's proverbs are not limited by a culture. They're not limited by a context. God's Proverbs actually go really deep down to the depths of reality to tell you most fundamentally how this world works, how God created this world to work. So as I said, my my job in this sermon is to kind of orient you to the book of Proverbs. And so there's three questions that we're going to consider tonight as we work through this introduction. Three questions. Firstly, what is wisdom? We've got to be clear on that. What is wisdom? Secondly, why should we pursue wisdom? What's so good about it? And then thirdly, well, how do we actually attain wisdom? That's the three questions we're going to be considering, and you'll see as we go through. So let's have a think about our first question first. What is this thing called wisdom that Proverbs is constantly banging on about? 
I wonder what, what comes into your mind as you hear that word wisdom. What is a wise person? Maybe just take 20 seconds, turn to the person around you and try and define the word wisdom for me. Have a go. What, what does wisdom mean? Have a crack. Talk to the person next to you. 20 seconds, off you go. Okay, that's enough time. Uh, I didn't tell you about this, but now uh, there's more audience participation. I need some answers from you guys, okay? We're crowdsourcing wisdom. That's what we're doing this whole series. So give me your answers. What is wisdom? Wisdom is fear of God. Wisdom is life experience. Wisdom is knowledge. Wisdom is thoughtfulness. Interesting. Wisdom is, what's that? Discerning. Wisdom is what's right in the context. These are good answers. Yeah, one more. Knowing the one who is all wisdom. Wow, you guys are wise. I asked this question this morning at the 8.30 service, and uh, one lady was so keen to give an answer, shot her hand up straight away, stood up, and she said, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. And she sat back down. I was like, that's a great definition of wisdom, isn't it? Look, I, I think that when we, when we use the word wisdom in kind of our, our regular vocabulary, our image of what wisdom is or someone who is wise is like that you know, grey-haired old man who sits there smoking a pipe and stroking his beard, dispensing real gems of insight and knowledge, right? A wise person is one who knows a lot of stuff, real smart person. But actually... Uh, the way that the Bible describes a wise person, what wisdom really is, is quite different to that. And so I want to I show you, as we try and wrestle with this definition of wisdom, actually what the Bible says wisdom is. Now, if you ever want to know what the Bible's definition of a word is, here's my, my tip to you. Go to the concordance in your Bible. Uh, if you've got a big enough Bible, at the end of the Bible, there'll be a list of all the words, all the major words in your Bible when every single time they're used. Look for the word wisdom, look up every single time it's used, go and read those verses and see what it means in the context, okay? If you do that exercise, what you're going to find is that the word wisdom in the Bible actually is, is, is quite unexpected what it means. A whole bunch of times in the Bible, you're going to find that the word wisdom is almost synonymous with the word skill. There's a very, a very practical know-how kind of a sense to the word wisdom. I want to show you one example of a place where that comes up. It's in Exodus chapter 35. It's going to come up on the screen. Exodus chapter 35 is uh, a point in the Bible where Moses, that great leader of God's people, ancient Israel, uh, is speaking to the Israelites about building the tabernacle, right? This great tent where God is going to come and dwell with his people and his people are going to worship him. And so that's what this passage is. Moses speaking to the Israelites about the instructions of building the tabernacle. Let's read Exodus 35 from verse 30. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God with wisdom. Uh, we might need to try and resize these if we can, Susanna. Someone might need to give her a hand so that we can squeeze these down onto the, uh, the, the page there. Uh, filled him with all wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given, him, given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahissamach of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled him, filled them with, what's the word? 
skill. That word skill there, translated skill, it's actually the word wisdom. It's exactly the same word as wisdom. God has given this guy wisdom. Wisdom to do what? Verse 35 goes on. He's filled them with wisdom to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, and all of them skilled workers and designers. You see, what the Bible is going to say is that if you have the ability to take like raw elements and to work with them and to fashion them with your hands into something that is beautiful and something that is useful, that what you've got is wisdom. That's the ability to do that. It's wisdom. It's practical. It's being able to take what is in front of you and make it into something beautiful and useful. It's practical wisdom. And so according to the Bible, let me try and get, flesh this out, give you some examples of this. In our church foyer, as you kind of walk up towards the bathrooms, there are uh, paintings and drawings hanging on the wall along there. They're made by our church art class that meet here on a Friday. According to this definition of the word wisdom, the people who make those artworks, they have wisdom as they do that. That's what enables them to be gifted artists. Wisdom. I'll give you another example. As you kind of walked in the church or drove into the car park this morning or this, this evening, you would have seen that uh, there's some, some roadworks going on there. We're digging up the, uh, the entranceways into the, or the exitways into the car park. And that's in order to try and make it safer for us to get in and out to widen it. A guy at our church called Peter Barrett, he comes to church in the morning, has been doing that work with some contractors this week. If you ask me to do that, uh, let me tell you, it would end badly. I do not possess the ability to do that. Peter Barrett does. According to this definition of wisdom, Peter Barrett's using wisdom as he does that. God-given wisdom. Practical know-how. The ability to take what is in front of you and turn it into something beautiful and useful. It's practical, right? There's that sense to the word when the Bible speaks of wisdom. Now, I do want to say as well, there are lots of occasions of this in the Bible, the practical ability to use wisdom. But the Bible also does talk about kind of a moral sense of wisdom, right? The ability to live a life that is good, to live wisely in the world. And that has a particular kind of shape to it, doesn't it? And so what I want to do is, is dive back into the book of Proverbs, to that passage that was read out for us, Proverbs 1, and to show you the kind of, we've seen the practical definition of wisdom. Now I want to show you the moral definition of wisdom. And, but the reason I did this first is because I want you to see that the moral definition of wisdom, the wise person who knows how to make good decisions, it's actually not that different to this definition. It's still being able to take what is in front of you and work with it and make something beautiful and useful. It's just talking about a moral sense of it. So let's, let's dive back in. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. You'll see what I mean. Let's read it again. Proverbs 1, 1 to 6. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction... For understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom 
and instruction. So we're told here, right, off, right up top in the book of Proverbs, that the reason this book exists is to give you wisdom. And then the rest of this passage kind of unpacks for us what that wisdom looks like in this moral sense. And there's a few things that we notice there, isn't there? There's, first of all, there's going to be an intellectual component to wisdom. If you want to be a wise person, you've got to know some things. Look at verse 2. Verse 2, for gaining wisdom and instruction. Let's talk about knowing something, being told something and knowing it in your mind for understanding words of insight. There is an intellectual component to wisdom. You've got to know some things. Now, look, please don't mishear me. I'm not saying that to be a wise person, according to the Bible, you've got to be really smart. That's not what we're talking about. There's no like minimum IQ to be a wise person in the Bible. It doesn't matter how many letters you've got after your name. If you've got master's degrees and PhDs, good for you. That is no guarantee that you are a wise person. No, actually, the, the sort of things that Proverbs thinks you've got to know, you've got to understand, you've got to have insight into, they're much more important things than any university is ever going to teach you. They're things like, how the world works, things like how the human heart is wired, things like what's important in life. You've got to understand those things if you're going to be wise. And the good news is that you can understand that at any age. <laughs> this, is, this is not age-restricted. You don't have to be an adult to do this. There are some, some kids here tonight, some, some teenagers, and that's wonderful. You guys can be wise. You can have this knowledge that makes you a wise person. You've got, you've got to have some intellectual knowledge to be wise, yes? But look at verse 4. You, there's also something in your attitude that makes you wise uh, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. What is prudence? What is, what is discretion? They're these attitudes that a wise person has. A prudent person is, is like a shrewd person. They are a person that doesn't kind of rush into decisions lightly. They consider the consequences before they act, right? They're, they're not impulsive. They, they listen before they speak. They think before they act. That's prudence. And, and the wise person is prudent. They have an attitude of prudence in their heart. But they also have discretion, what is discretion? It's not a very sexy word. Nobody wants to be described as having discretion. It's not like they're number one on your Twitter profile. What is discretion? Discretion is just being able to, to act in such a way that you don't hurt other people. Being able to act in such a way that you don't embarrass yourself. If you possess that ability, you possess discretion. If you don't possess that ability, then you're constantly going to be the sort of person putting their foot in their mouth, making enemies of people. Because you're never thinking about other people, you're only ever thinking about yourself. You, you see what discretion is all about? I'm, I'm sure that every single person in this room can think of somebody that lacks discretion and lacks prudence. You, can you think of somebody that you know who's like that? Hmm? I'll tell you what, if you can't think of somebody that you know who fits that description, just wind the clock back a few years to when you were 16 years old. You were somebody that lacked discretion. I, I, I will guarantee it to you. I'm sorry to the teenagers who are here. Uh, I'm not speaking about you guys. Obviously, you're the exceptions to the rules. Uh, <laughs> prudence and discretion, they are these attitudes that make a person wise. So you've got to have some, some intellectual knowledge. You've got to have an attitude of prudence and discretion. But also, a wise person is someone whose behavior has been changed. Uh, have a look at verse 3 there. For receiving instruction in prudent behavior, for doing what is right and just and fair. 
doing what is right and just and fair. Those are three like massive Bible concept concepts, massive words, right and just and fair. Those three words clumped together like that, you know who they describe more often than not? They describe God. That is what God is like. He is righteous and perfectly just, perfectly equitable, right? And so the wise person acts like God. They are right and just and fair. They're the kind of people who pay their taxes. They're the kind of people who, who are hardworking for their employer. They don't do the dodgy and like cut corners. These are people who are always honest. They tell you the truth, even if it means it's going to harm them. The person who is wise is right and just and fair. You see, wisdom is not just about knowing some things or even feeling some things. Wisdom is also about doing some things. It impacts your behavior. You follow me? And so, and so wisdom in this kind of moral sense that Proverbs is going to talk about, it's this whole way of living that impacts how you think, how you feel, and how you act. And, and Proverbs is going to say, if, if you possess that skill set, that knowledge, that attitude, that behavior, you're going to build something beautiful and useful. You're going to build a beautiful and useful life. And so when you kind of put these two senses, these definitions of wisdom together, right, the practical kind of sense of wisdom and the moral sense of wisdom, you kind of put them together. And what I think you come up with is, is a definition of wisdom. I, I've tried to encapsulate it here. Hopefully this is going to be helpful for you. If we can flick the slide. Thanks, Susanna. This is my working definition of what wisdom is. Wisdom is skill in living. When the Bible talks about wisdom, it's talking about skill in living. That, that's why we've called this series How to Be Good at Life, because that's what wisdom will make you. It'll make you able to be good at life. Skill in living, right? Let me, let me spell it out for you really clearly. If you possess wisdom, then you will know how to make a God-honoring decision in every single circumstance of your life that achieves righteous and beautiful outcomes. That's wisdom. And friends, God wants us to be wise. You know, you know in the book of Proverbs... We're going to see in just a little bit that God is desperate for us to be wise. He wants us to live this way, skillfully, in his world. Maybe you can think of it like this. Have you ever sanded a piece of wood? Uh, every single piece of wood, I didn't know this until recently, uh, has a, a grain to it. Uh, it's, all the fibers of the wood are like aligned in a particular direction. They all run in one direction. And so when you sand a piece of wood, you, you are supposed to sand it in line with the grain. If you do that, then that piece of wood is going to become smooth and beautiful and useful. You know, but if, for some crazy reason, if you're a maniac and you decide to sand against the grain, that piece of wood is going to get ruined, right? The fibers are going to get torn up, and what you're going to have is an ugly, rough, useless piece of wood. And that is exactly the same as, it, as when it comes to wisdom. We have a choice, you see, to live in God's world, if you like, in line with the grain, in line with the way God has designed this, this world to be lived in, or to choose to go against the grain. We have that choice in front of us. You can live with God's design or against God's design. And the book of Proverbs has this really clever and really unique way of describing that choice to us and putting that choice in front of us. In the book of Proverbs, in the prologue, you meet these two characters, these two women. On the one hand, you meet Lady Wisdom, she is this beautiful woman who is capable and competent and upright and above reproach. And then you meet her counterpart as well. 
you meet Dame Folly, and she is full of foolishness and wickedness, and her paths lead to destruction. And the book of Proverbs says that these two women, they are calling out to you. They're calling out to every single person in this world saying, come to me, come and feast in my house, come and listen to me, learn at my feet and live the way that I'm teaching you to live. And so Proverbs is going to say, you can listen to whichever of those two that you want to listen to, but you're going to listen to one of them. Are you going to listen to wisdom or are you going to listen to folly? That's the choice that's in front of us. Are you going to live with the grain in God's light, in God's world, or are you going to live against it? Uh, my, my daughter, Alyssa, uh, she is three years old and she starts preschool tomorrow morning. It's her first day of preschool ever. Uh, she is like over the moon excited about it. She's been talking about it for weeks. Every morning she wakes up, is today the day I go to preschool? No, 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 it's weeks away. Me, on the other hand, um, confession time, I am so nervous about her going to preschool. It's really been bothering me and worrying. Uh, it's something I've been worrying about because... I'm so worried about the kind of friends that Alyssa is going to make at preschool. I trust my daughter to an extent, to an extent you trust a three-year-old. Uh, but I'm so worried that when she gets to preschool, you know how it happens on the first day of school, the first person you talk to becomes your best friend? I'm so worried that she is going to meet a naughty kid and that that kid is going to become her best friend, that this, she's going to become friends with a foolish kid. You know, the kids that like shove crayons up their nose. I don't want my daughter being friends with those people. The reason I'm worried about this, the reason I'm worried about it is because your friends, they, they speak into your life, don't they? They are a voice in your ear for the entirety of your life. I don't want my daughter listening to foolishness. I want my daughter listening to wisdom. I want her to, to meet a wise kid, whatever a wise three-year-old looks like. That's who I want my daughter to be friends with, right? Do you know, we have the exact same challenge every single day. Uh, we have the challenge of either choosing to listen to wisdom or choosing to listen to foolishness. We, every single day, can choose to listen to the wisdom of God's word. We can listen to the people who have been impacted and transformed by the wisdom of God's word. We can have those people speak into our lives. We can have Lady Wisdom be the voice in our ear. Or we can listen to fools. That's the choice that Proverbs is going to put in front of us every single week across this series. Are you going to be a wise person or are you going to be a fool? So that's the first question. What is wisdom? The second question that we're going to consider is why we should pursue wisdom. If that's what wisdom is, skill in living, why should we spend our time pursuing it? And, and Solomon, as he writes the book of Proverbs, he goes out of his way to really make wisdom sound great and to try and sell you on wisdom, to try and get you to sign up to the, the wisdom course so that you pursue wisdom for the entirety of your life. I want to show you one passage where Solomon does that. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through to 26. We'll read it in a couple of chunks. Proverbs 3, 13. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain wisdom. Understanding. You know, uh, incidentally, the word blessed in the Old Testament, uh, that word is the same word that gets translated happy elsewhere. So when the, the Bible says a blessed person finds wisdom, it's also saying a happy person. Want to be happy? Find wisdom. Why will wisdom make you blessed and happy? Well, keep reading verse 14. She is more profitable than silver. She yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire 
can compare to her. You see, wisdom is going to give you better returns on your investment than investing in Bitcoin, than buying shares in Apple, than whatever other pyramid scheme you could come up with. Wisdom will be more beneficial to you than all of that. Why? Verse 16, because long life is in her hand. In her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. You see, wisdom can give you everything you need for life. A life of wisdom can be a peaceful and a pleasant and a blessed life. Now, uh, rule of thumb, do keep in mind that when, when the Old Testament talks about blessing, promising of blessing, it is envisioning physical blessing, right? You think an ancient Israelite, what do they think of when they think of blessing? They think God's going to make my crops grow, my barns are going to get full, and I'm going to have lots of kids. That's physical kind of blessing, right? We know living this side of Jesus, being New Testament Christians, we know that those blessings that are spoken of are primarily spiritual blessings, spiritual blessings that come to us in Christ. I just want to kind of say that to you so you set your expectations rightly as we think about these this, this uh, potential life of blessing, what it's actually talking about. But let's keep reading uh, down to verse 21, chapter 3, 21. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you'll not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Now, I don't know what in the deepest, deepest part of your heart, what you consider to be the most desirable thing that you could strive for in this life. I don't know what that is for you. But what Solomon is saying is that more than all of the, the money, all of the fame, all of the honour, all of the prestige, all of the promotions, even all of the happiness that you could chase after in this world, wisdom is more precious than all of that. Because you see, as great as those things can be, all of those things that we might chase after, they're just circumstances, aren't they? They're circumstances. They come and they go, they're fleeting, they fluctuate, they go up and down. And, and more important, I hope you see this, more important than having great life circumstances, more important than that is having the ability to navigate whatever circumstances you are in in life. Having the ability to actually flourish in whatever circumstance you're in, to find peace and contentment in whatever circumstance you're in, to grow even in whatever circumstance you are in. That is why wisdom is so much more precious than anything else in this world. Because wisdom can help you regardless of where you're at. It can help you in those gray areas of life as you face those thousands of decisions every day that you do not know what to do. You do not know what choice to make. You ask those questions. Well, I just, I don't know who I should marry. I don't know who I should date. Should it be this person or that person? Should I remain single? What should I be doing with my money? Should I be investing? Should I be buying property? Should I be renting? Should I take this job? Should I take that job? Should I uproot my family? Should I move away, go on the mission field? Should I speak up in this relationship? Should I hold my tongue? Wisdom can help you in those circumstances. 
those circumstances that we find ourselves in every single day. Wisdom will guide you so that you don't shipwreck your life. That is why Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, that's why he, he asked God for wisdom. Do you know that story in the Old Testament? Uh, you can read about it in 1 Kings chapter 3, 2 Chronicles chapter 1. It's the same story. It's just after Solomon has been made king and God appears to Solomon in a dream and God says the most amazing thing to him. He says, Solomon, ask me for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Like, blank check, wow. And Solomon, he, he, God bless him, Solomon doesn't do many right things in the Bible, in the record of him that we have in the Bible. But I'll tell you what, Solomon totally nails this thing. Solomon's reply to God is, he says to God, God, I am just a little child. I, I don't know how to do this job that you've given to me, God, this job of being king. And so God, please give me wisdom. Give me wisdom so that I'll be able to govern your people well, so that I'll be able to discern between right and wrong. That's what he asks for. And God gives it to him. He gives it to him in abundance. He becomes the wisest man on planet Earth. It's this amazing interaction. You see, what it's saying is that wisdom is so valuable that if God showed up to you tonight with a blank check, that if you had any smarts whatsoever, you would ask God for wisdom. Wisdom is the most precious thing that you can obtain in this life. Wisdom. Friends, we need wisdom, don't we? Speaking personally, I can tell you I need wisdom. I'm so conscious of that these days. The experience in my life has been that the more responsibility that God has given to me over the years with a wife, with a family, with work, with all all those other responsibilities that fill up my life... The more responsibility I get, the more I'm aware that I need God's wisdom. And I'll tell you, the other thing is that the older that I get, the more I am aware that I need God's wisdom. You know, when I was young, when I was in my late teens and my early 20s, like I thought I could run the world. You you know, you put me at the head of a government and man, everything would be utopia. I thought I was smart enough and strong enough and tough enough to be able to navigate whatever it was in life. Can I tell you that that bubble has been firmly popped (laughs) as I've gotten older? And if you're young, you need to hear that. You're not as wise as you think you are. You're not as capable as you think you are. The older you get, the more you are going to realise that you do not have the answers in life. You know, (laughs) every day I wake up and I think to myself, "I, I do not know how to do what's in front of me in the best way possible. I don't know how to love my family as well as I need to love them today. I don't know how to raise my kids as well as I need to raise them today. I I don't know how to do my job as best as I need to do it to honour God. I am incapable of that. I need wisdom. I'm so acutely aware of that these days. I wonder, how about you? Are you aware of how much you need wisdom? How much you are just at a complete loss unless God shows up and gives you some wisdom from outside of yourself to help you on that path. Are you aware of how much you need wisdom? Now look, as, as we uh, get stuck into the book of Proverbs over this, the rest of this term, we are going to hear Proverbs describing the wise life as a life of blessing and joy and fruitfulness and beauty. But I I want to kind of give you a bit of a disclaimer here. As much as Proverbs says that the path to all of those things, to blessing and beauty and joy and fruitfulness, the path is wisdom, my disclaimer is this, that the relationship between living a wise life and being blessed 
is not that simple. As much as I've just tried to sell you on wisdom, I do want to confess that the relationship between wisdom and blessing is not straightforward. You know, making uh, wise decisions in this world doesn't automatically and instantaneously result in physical blessings. And that is because of, of what actually is going on in the book of Proverbs. As you read the book of Proverbs, you've got to understand something really fundamental. The book of Proverbs is about probability. That's what a proverb is. It's a probability. It's not a promise. A proverb that tells you if you act this way, this will be the result. It's talking in generalities about the way that the world works. It's not guaranteeing that that will be your experience every single time you take that course of action. It's not a promise. It's a probability. Now, look, I, I re- this is so important that we get a handle on this. And so I want to I give you a few examples to make sure you, you kind of really understand the difference between a proverb and a promise. So let's bring up uh, an example here. Proverbs 10, verse 4. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Now, is that true? Yeah, it's true, usually, generally, isn't it? If you are a hard worker, you are going to usually be far better off than the person that stays at home and eats Doritos on the couch all day, right? Lazy hands make for poverty. Usually, that's the way the world works. But are there exceptions to that rule? Yeah, there are heaps of exceptions, right? You might be super lazy and win the lotto. You might work your fingers to the bone and barely have enough money to make ends meet. There are exceptions to these proverbs, but they are generally true. You see what I mean when I say that proverbs are not promises, they're probabilities, right? Uh, it's, It's so crucial that we understand this because so many people go so far wrong when they misunderstand the book of Proverbs. Sadly, if you trace back a lot of problems in today's church, it comes back to a misunderstanding of the, the state of uh, the nature of Proverbs. There, you know there is a, a whole genre of church out there that preach something called the prosperity gospel. These, these supposed promises that if you just honour God with your wealth and your time and everything else, God guarantees that you're going to be financially successful. You know there are, there are thousands of churches, there are thousands of places that are preaching that message this Sunday. You know Why? It's because they've misunderstood what is going on in Proverbs. Let's have a look at another proverb here. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. Some people read that and they go, gotcha, God, you made a promise. You're telling me if I just honour you with my money, you're going to make sure that my barn is overflowing. My bank account's not going to be able to contain all of the blessing you give to me, God. They read it as a promise, and that is utter nonsense, isn't it? That is 100% patently false. Proverbs is not a promise. Let me give you another example. This this one may hit a little bit closer to home for some of you. Proverbs 22, verse 6. This is a very famous proverb. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn turn from it. I tell you what, many Christian parents have discovered that Proverbs are not promises because this has not come true for them. Many Christian parents have realised that the cause and effect relationship that Proverbs seems to kind of be describing is just not that simple because they have done everything they can to raise their child in the instruction of the Lord and now that child is no longer walking with Jesus. And so if you misunderstand what's going on in Proverbs, if you read things like this as a promise, I'll tell you what's going to happen in your life you are going to live with a crushing sense of guilt, a crushing sense of disappointment when this doesn't come true for you. 
Do you see what's at stake here? You've got to make sure you understand. A proverb is not a promise. It's a probability. It describes how life generally works. And so I, I do want to say, let me, let me just kind of come back to this point. It is generally true that living a wise life will lead to blessing. That is generally true, but it's not automatic and it's not instantaneous. So make sure you go in with your expectations right. Okay, final question as we finish. Final question, how do we get wisdom? We've seen what wisdom is, we've seen why we should pursue it. Lastly, how do we get it? Well, let's go to Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2 verses 1 to 6. This is just one of many places that describe this process of getting wisdom for us. Let's read. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. What does this passage say to us about how we get wisdom? It says a few things. Probably the most obvious thing that this passage is saying to us is that if you want to get wisdom, you've got to break a sweat. <laughs> you've got to put in some effort to get wisdom. You have got to search for it, right? Look at verses 1 to 4. Look at all the, the verbs that are being used in, in verses 1 to 4. You've got to accept these words. You've got to store up these commands, turn your ear, apply your heart, call out for insight, cry aloud for understanding, look for it, search for it. Can I tell you, you cannot do that passively. <laughs> you cannot meet that description and just kind of sit back with your arms folded. You've got to break a sweat. You've got to search for wisdom if you want to get it. Uh, it's a bit like uh, learning a language. If any of you have ever learnt a language, I had never learnt a language before until I got to first year of university. The degree I was doing had a, a mandatory language that you had to study. And uh, I had been dating my now wife, Catherine, uh, for about two months by that stage, the beginning of uni. I had to choose a language uh, to study. And uh, some of you will know, my wife, Catherine, is fluent in German. And so here I was, this love-struck 18-year-old, and deciding what language to go and study for a year. And I thought to myself, you know what? I've got a good idea here. You know what will show this girl that I'm really serious about this relationship? You know what will be this grand romantic gesture for her? I'll learn German for her. And so I did. I enrolled in German. I had never studied a language before. And I got a rude shock. Because when you, when you study a language, you find out you just get thrown in the deep end, right? And you, you have to learn to swim real quick. Because... When you study a language, you've just, you're just trying to get all of this information, all of these words into your brain and trying to somehow make them stick. And so my whole life was turned upside down by studying German. If you saw me during that year that I was at uni studying, I'd be walking around with palm cards, you know, conjugating verbs as I walk, ich bin, du bist, as yes, yes. I would have been uh, listening with my, my earphones to my own voice that I recorded of myself speaking German so that I could try and memorise the stuff I needed to memorise. You came over to my house during that year, there were post-it notes and stickers up on the wall around my, my uh, shaving cabinet mirror so that I could even try and study when I was brushing my teeth. That didn't really do me any good. But uh, I tried to submerge myself in studying this language. I gave myself over to it. I called out for insight. I searched for it. I looked for it. I impressed these words upon my brain. And it worked, can I tell you that? It worked for a while, anyway. I got pretty decent at, at German after, you know, German 101 and German 102. Don't want to pat myself on the back too much there. 
It worked until it didn't because I stopped. You know, these days I can barely remember two words of German. Like, I, honestly, two words would be about my limit. Because when you, when you study a language, you have to keep meditating on it, don't you? Studying a language is not like a one-time deal where it just sort of gets plugged into your brain and there it is for the rest of your life. Now, you need to keep dwelling on it. You need to keep storing these things up, refreshing them in your brain, applying them to your heart. Otherwise, they're going to fade. And friends, it's exactly the same with wisdom. If you want God's wisdom, it works exactly like that. You've got to work hard to internalize God's ways and God's words into your brain. You've got to drill them in there day after day after day for the entirety of your life until you are transformed by them. It's going to take effort. And so, look, one point of application here, one suggestion for you. Uh, I, want, I want you to be people throughout the course of this series who search for wisdom, who break a sweat in trying to get wise. And so here's my, my challenge for you. I want you to try and commit five minutes a week, five minutes a week to reflect on what you hear in these sermons and what you study in your home groups. Five minutes a week to try and drill this wisdom into your brain. Can I tell you that the, that five minutes that you spend doing that will be of inestimable worth to remind yourself, you, you drill it in there. And we've, we've honestly, we've tried to make this as easy for you as we possibly can. On the space where you can take notes during the sermon, every single week, there are five reflection questions. It'll take you about five minutes to do that. Maybe after church every Sunday, you could just scribble down some of your thoughts, some of the stuff that struck you. Maybe in the car home, you have a conversation with the person who you're driving with. Answer those questions. Reflect on what you've been hearing. Take five minutes to search for wisdom. Apply yourself to get wisdom. You've got to search for it. You've got to break a sweat. How else do you get wisdom? You've got to ask for it. <laughs> you've got to ask for it too. Look what it says in verse six there. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. That's quite a paradox, isn't it? Because the whole rest of those verses are saying, hey, it's up to you. You've got to work really hard to, to try and get wisdom. And then verse 6 is going to say to you, yeah, but actually, if you get it, it'll be because God gave it to you. God gives you wisdom. And so, friends, you've got to ask for it. That is why I think Proverbs uh, repeatedly, page after page, is going to talk to you about this thing called the fear of the Lord, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, when, when Proverbs talks about that, when it uses that word fear, it's not talking about terror. It's not talking about running away from God. No, it's the opposite. It's running to God, but being on your knees. <laughs> if you fear the Lord, you're someone who is in awe of God. You're someone who reveres God because you see just how magnificent He is. If you come to the Lord with fear, then you say to God, God, you are God and I am not. You are awesome and I am not. You know everything and I do not. You possess all wisdom and I do not. So please, God, please give it to me. That's what the fear of the Lord looks like. And so here, second challenge for you, second quick challenge. Over the course of this series, will you ask God for wisdom? Will you, will you make a habit this series of praying and saying, God, please give me wisdom. Please transform me by this wisdom. Because like, here's the reality. You could, you could exert yourself for the whole cause of this term and still come away empty-handed because you will not get wisdom unless God gives it to you. You will not get wisdom unless 
God gives it to you. You've got to search for it. You've got to ask for it. How else do you get wisdom? You've got to go to the source, ultimately. You've got to go to the source. Uh, let me ask you, where is true wisdom found? Now, if, if you are a Christian here tonight, you know the answer to that question. Where is true wisdom found? True wisdom is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of the book of Proverbs. You know, when you get to the New Testament in, in Luke's gospel, the stories of Jesus' childhood, Luke chapter 2, verse 40, it says that as Jesus grew up, he became full of wisdom. You know, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, we looked at it actually last term. Uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, at the end of it, he says that the person who hears his words and puts them into practice is like a wise person. You know, the book of Colossians makes it perfectly plain. It's unmissable. Colossians will say to you that in Christ are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, in a, in a very real sense, as you read the book of Proverbs, that wise person that it's describing, that person is Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom. He is the one who is skilled in living. He is the one who makes God-honoring decisions every moment of his life from beginning to end. And so, and so friends, as you, as you read the book of Proverbs, you're supposed to be asking, what is this showing me about my saviour, Jesus? What is this showing me about what's important to him, about, about what decision he would make in this circumstance? And so how can I live for him? How can I be like Jesus? Should I make this decision that's going to bring honour and fame and glory to Jesus? Those are the kinds of questions you've got to ask as you read the book of Proverbs. That is wise living. And so what have we, what have we seen tonight? We've seen that, that wisdom that the Bible offers to us is skill in living. And that that is more precious than anything else in this world. We've seen that we've got to search for it, we've got to ask for it, and we've got to go to the source so that you and I would be able to live lives that are beautiful and useful. How about we pray together? Our great God, we thank you so much for your Son, our perfect Saviour, the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he is the embodiment of wisdom. We thank you so much that he came near to us and he invited us to be his friends and that now his spirit is at work in us to make us more like him. God, we want to be wise people. We need to be wise people, Lord, to be able to, to live this life well and live it for your honour and your glory. So please give us wisdom, Father, and please give us the strength, the desire, the motivation by your spirit Pursue wisdom with everything that we've got. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.